Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome back to Wellness with Liz Earle and our menopause special. And today I am seriously delighted to be joined in my tiny studios by the celebrated journalist and broadcaster Kirsty Lang. Yes, indeed. How nervous do I feel to have her sat beside me? A very familiar voice of Radio 4. Kirsty has over 30 years experience as a broadcaster from working as a foreign correspondent and TV news anchor for BBC World and Channel 4 News. She's written for the Financial Times, The Guardian, The Sunday Times, amongst many other best-loved British publications. These days, of course, you can tune into her on BBC Radio 4, where she presents the culture and arts show Front Row, one of my own personal favourites. But aside from the no-doubt fascinating broadcast chat we're about to have, what you may not know is that Kirsty was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 53 and has since been vocal in the press about her decision to continue taking HRT following successful treatment. So much to talk about. Welcome, <laughs> Kirsty. Well, well I, I love your studio. Oh, yes, thank you. It's, much it's more, tiny wee. It's, yeah, it's much more comfortable than my studio and broadcasting house, can I just say, and more tastefully decorated. Oh, well, thank you so much. We do we do try, but yes, it's um, yeah, very nerve-wracking. Gosh, I'm going to have to fan myself to have you next to me. So we, we're going to go and do a deep dive into breast cancer and HRT and so many fascinating things that everybody is truly plugged into listening to this particular series. But I know you are such a familiar voice. I would love to hear about your journey and how you got to be one of the main voices in our ears on the airwaves. What was your your vocation to your I, your voice work? I always wanted to be a journalist, um, uh, but I'm slightly dyslexic. Are you? So yeah, um, and so I actually figured that it would be easier to go into radio because it wouldn't involve too much spelling. <laughs> so, love it. so when I was at university and I, I mean I did work on the student paper and so um I applied to become a BBC graduate trainee um and so pretty much went straight from university uh, into the BBC um as a news trainee and it was a fantastic uh, training scheme and um in those days this is the 1980s they would send all, all us wannabe journalists off to Northern Ireland uh, for our training to work in the newsroom there because, of course, it was still height of the uh, troubles before yeah, the peace agreement. Um, and uh, then I was a foreign correspondent for many years for the BBC um, 
And uh, at a certain point, I jumped ship, actually. I went to the Sunday Times and became their Paris correspondent, which was a fantastic job in the 90s. And I remember when I delivered my very first article, um, and this was sort of just prior to um, uh, decent spell check and so on, the, uh, the foreign editor rang me back and he goes, well, you can write, but you can't spell. <laughs> so I said, isn't that what sub-editors are for? Um, Sounds very glamorous, yes, Paris correspondent. It was fabulous. Yeah. Actually, um, it was fantastic, and uh, uh, and I had a lovely few years living in in Paris, um, and then came back and joined Channel Four, mm-hmm. where I was a newsreader um, for many years. I, I basically went into news reading because by that time I had children, and uh, being a foreign correspondent difficult when you've got small yeah. kids yeah. Um, because you could be sent off at any one time um so uh, how many do you have uh well i've only got one of my own but i had mm. i had by that time acquired a couple of stepchildren right. so uh, <laughs> that yeah. was why um and, and i did news reading for quite a long time and then decided that I, I really wanted to go back into radio i had started in radio loved it and sort of been sidetracked a little bit into television um and uh went to see the then head of Radio 4, and uh, she said, uh, how about doing some um, arts programmes? How about doing Front Row? And that's when I started doing that. So, And (laughs) it was great, really, because I'd just been covering death and destruction for so long uh, as a news reporter. It was quite nice uh, suddenly to... uh, to be paid to go to the theatre. Gosh, yeah, that is a dream job, isn't it? So <laughs> um, but I've carried on um, doing bits and pieces of writing um, mm. on, on the side. And so when I was diagnosed with cancer, um, I think it's almost sort of an automatic thing for a journalist. You just kind of, everything that happens to, to you is material. Yes. <laughs> um, and it was also quite a useful way of working it through because you can use the excuse of writing an article to ring up leading experts and basically get free diagnosis or second yes, opinions. Give me your view on yes. this. So when were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed exactly three years ago. Um, and how did that happen? I went for a routine mammogram. Um, got a letter from my you know, local NHS hospital um, because I was uh, by that time 53 um, and you, you are routinely offered mammograms after the age of 50. Um, and uh, I almost didn't go for the appointment because the year before um, I'd had a pain in my left breast and I'd gone to see my GP um, and I've got a very good uh, um, NHS GP and she immediately referred me to, because I do have some family history of breast cancer, my grandmother, maternal grandmother, died of breast cancer in her 50s. So relatively young. Relatively young. Yeah, that's a key thing. So that immediately put up a bit of a red flag mm-hmm. for them. Um, and so I was referred to uh, the um, breast unit at my local hospital I had a scan, I had a mammogram, I saw a surgeon and I was clear the year before. Uh, So I was quite surprised when I got this call-in letter from the hospital and I went to the reception desk and sort of said, look, I had one last year and it was clear, do I really need another one? And the woman at reception went, well, probably not, but... I don't know, you're here now, why don't you stay? And I said, how many women are in front of me? And she said, because it was a really sunny afternoon. And I sort of... <laughs> Much more tempting to stay Yes, outside. I could go and sit in my garden. Um, uh, but I thought too, okay. Um, and so I stayed and I had it. And you know, the moment she did that mammogram, because I've had a few mammograms, I knew there was something wrong. I could see on her face 
Um, and that was just 12 months after your previous mammogram yeah. said you were all clear. Yeah. Um, and I must say they swung into action very quickly because there are obviously targets around this now. And um, uh, within a week, um, I had a biopsy. I was called in for a biopsy. Um, and uh, they uh, found that uh, I had two lumps in my breast. Uh, one of them was benign and one of them was cancerous. And what's more, it was um, what's known as a grade three cancer. So there, there, there's, there's, there's grade one, which is very slow growing, two, a little bit faster, and three means that the cells are dividing very, very quickly. In other words, it's, it's on the move. Mm. Um, now, I had been on HRT for five years at that point, nearly five years. And the moment I was diagnosed, the, my very first question to my Sir, to the surgeon who saw me that day to give me the diagnosis um, was, oh my God, is it my fault? Is it because I was taking HIT? <laughs> and so what we, did he or she say? He said, probably not. It's more likely to do with your family history and probably mm. certain lifestyle factors. I'm an ex-smoker, probably drink a little bit too much alcohol, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but he said, and this was really frightening, he said... Um, it's possible, though, because you've got an oestrogen-sensitive cancer, that the HRT would have acted like a fertiliser on the tumour. Mm. So, of course, I went home and I just threw it all in the bin. Right. Fertile. I'm just imagining uh. kind of, you know... Well, we'll come on to that. What I wanted mm. to hear about at the time of diagnosis, when you had your mammogram, can they tell what type of cancer? Can they tell whether it's invasive or not? Or does they, do they have to do the biopsy well, for I'm that? Well, I'm not an expert on this, but I... Th think they have to do the pathology on the mm. on the tumor i think you you have to wait till it's uh till you've had the biopsy i to see find and then because yeah. then you have to wait for results don't you yes so they then have you to have do to... something to it presumably yeah. and that's you know um uh, when they find out what sort of cancer it is mm -hmm. what grade it is yeah basically you have to wait until you have the biopsy and they've done the pathology on it and and that does take some time to find out what um what exactly what sort of cancer you have and that will determine what kind of uh treatment you have yeah. now this is a very interesting discussion because we are obviously aware of podcasts that I've had recently or not that long ago with Professor Michael Baum who set up the breast cancer screening program saying that women should not have routine mammograms because it finds too many of the non-invasive cancers that will just sit there perfectly happily for years and years and years and that the treatment the chemo the radiotherapy will kill more women than those cancers if they were just left alone but you are, of course, the exception that proves the rule. Well, this is it. I mean, if you're Professor Michael Baum, obviously you're, you know, you're looking statistically at large yes. groups of women, and that's his job. Um, and but I, yes, I am, uh, I, I am in a, in a minority, and mm. um, I, I mean, I, I, I realise that. Um, but the fact is, is that um, had it not been picked up by a, a mammogram, I couldn't feel the lump Could even you when I knew it was there. Really? Um, and because it was fast growing and it had already moved to one of my lymph nodes, I had a micrometastasis, in other words, a little tiny bit of cancer in, 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 in one of my lymph nodes. Um, the chances are it, by the time um, it started pr to present, it may well have uh, metastasized. Mm. And possibly. you didn't have any other symptoms. You didn't feel unwell. You weren't suddenly losing lots of weight. You didn't. You had lots. Of Sadly, energy. not. <laughs> <laughs> oh <It's>, dear. Yes. <laughs> I thought one of the benefits actually of having breast cancer and uh, and then I later went on to have chemotherapy. Yes. Was that I would lose weight, and I didn't. I put on weight. Oh. 
That's extremely unfair, isn't mm. it? So you go home, you throw all your HRT away, mm. you start chemo and radiotherapy. How did you find that? Because there's a very interesting discussion also, isn't there, around radiotherapy? Well, I think the so the, what what he said to me was the surgeon at this point was he said, um, well, obviously we we're going to have to operate to take the the tumor out. You won't have to mis have a mastectomy, which I was really relieved about because, um, um, like most women, I was a little horror of the idea of having my breasts chopped off. You know, um, I, I kind of imagine. Uh, when I'm thinking about breast cancer, I, I kind of I have this sort of image of this there being this kind of sort of like a kind of evil Greek god wanting to take revenge on womankind, going not only am I going to give you cancer, but I'm going to remove all signs of your femininity. I'm going to chop your breasts off and make you lose your hair. There's something particularly oh, gosh, nasty yes. about it. Yeah, isn't when it? you think about it like that. But anyway, so I was very relieved not to lose my uh, breasts. And he said, "You're going to have to have a lumpectomy, and then you will have to have six weeks of radiotherapy." And I'm freelance, although I work for the BBC. I am. I don't get sick pay if I don't work. Right. And um, so I was immediately sort of somewhat worried about that. And I said, "Well, can you do radiotherapy and 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 work?" And 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 the surgeon said, well, "I, I think so." You know, he clearly didn't really have much idea actually. But I had a couple of friends who had um, uh, had breast cancer and. Uh, that night, I rang up a very close friend of mine who's also a journalist, and she'd had breast cancer, and I said, look, did you work through radiotherapy? And she said, no, I didn't. I was extremely tired, um, uh, and I think you might find it quite difficult. Um, now, lots of women do, let me yes. just say that, but... Um, but they're not necessarily presenting a live They might radio not be presenting, for, yeah. Radio um, but she then said to me, but have you heard about interoperative radiotherapy? Um, which I hadn't, um, and this is a new technique, which is relatively new technique. It's now very widespread across the United States and Europe. I mean, in Germany, it's, it's pretty much the go-to treatment, which is that um, instead of going um, every day for six weeks... And is it really every day? Every day you oh have goodness. to go. Um, uh, weekday, so, you know, five days a week for six weeks to a radiotherapy unit... Um, you have um, one big blast of radiotherapy um, while you're on the operating table. So uh, they open you up, they take out the cancerous lump, and then they have this special machine that just beams radiotherapy onto the tumour bed, so killing the surrounding cells in the breast tissue. Uh, any you know remaining cancer cells then. And, and you there. have that once? And you only have it once. Um, and I was out of hospital that night. Um, I no burning skin, no radiotherapy marks, none of the tiredness associated with radiotherapy. And you had this on the NHS? Uh, no. Now, it had been an NHS trial. Right. Um, but by the time, um, uh, led by University College Hospital, and originally um, the trial... Uh, was to help women who live in rural areas. Because imagine if you live in a rural area yeah. and you have to go in for radiotherapy treatment, your local hospital, <laughs> your radiotherapy unit, could be one or two hours away. Yeah. So, um, so they placed six of these machines around the country um, um, in areas um, which, um, uh, in, in mainly rural areas. Um, and I found out that one of the uh, places that take part in the trial um, was the hospital in Swindon, which doesn't have a radiotherapy uh, 
unit so that's all they can offer but they had had their their nhs funding going uh, taken away so i could only do it privately mm. fortunately through the bbc i had booper right so i yeah. was able to have so it done do privately it. um However, this led me to campaign um, to get the National Institute of Clinical e Excellence to change the rules, and it is now available on the NHS, but they have not increased the number of machines. So unless you have a local hospital, um, like the, 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 the one Great in Western Hospital yeah. in Swindon... So is it still um, six machines in the UK? It's still six machines <gasps> in the UK. So it's a postcode lottery. Isn't and it's it? absolutely shocking. Um, it should be widely available. And I, I actually think that there are some serious vested interests at stake mm. um, in this. And, and uh, uh, I'm not afraid to say that I, I think that um, uh, you know, NHS radiotherapy units rely on um, early stage breast cancer for about 30 percent of their work. Gosh, so thirty percent of their income, thirty percent of their yeah, workload. So radiographers, if they're treating women for yeah. for what is it? Six weeks every day. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it can and be all, all, three all to six weeks. Yeah, would just disappear, on... wouldn't it? Because yeah. you'd be having it by the surgeon during the operating procedure, mm. and that's it, job done. And there's another. And thing. presumably, it's much cheaper to do that. It would be much cheaper. It and doesn't make the woman any sense at all. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, that's a really amazing piece of information. And the other thing I think, which that. is really critical, is that my tumor was on my left side. In other words, it was over my heart. Now, you know, you don't have to be a doctor to kind of figure out that having radiation beamed over your heart every day for six weeks. And, and now they do things like tell you, like I was told that at UCH, at University College Hospital London, that they do this thing where you're encouraged to hold your breath while, while the, you know, and that, and that kind of protects your heart a bit. I, I'm sorry, what? but that, that did not fill me with comfort. No. <laughs> hold my breath. I mean, doctors will tell you that it does work, but... Um, you so know. you had the chemo alongside, and presumably, did so, you? So how long were you on so chemo for? So what happened then was, um, uh, uh, and there's another thing I can recommend for women who are diagnosed with breast cancer, is, um, so I, I had that, and then I went to, I was referred to an oncologist, and of course it's the oncologist who decides, you know, what drugs you have to take, and I was immediately put on a drug called um, letrozole, which blocks all oestrogen in your body. Um, uh, now, this is like tamoxifen, but it works in a different way. And I'll come back to tamoxifen mm, in a yeah. minute because I eventually swapped. But um, uh, but initially I was on 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 letrozole. Um, and um, uh, but because I had this metastasis in my in my lymph nodes, um, it was recommended that I had chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. I am about it. It's it's what's known as, in my case, adjuvant adjuvant. I can't say that. You know, it's like it. In other words, it was like a sort of safety net just in case. Right. They yes. figured all the cancer had been killed, all yes. the cells, but it was a sort of just in case. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I spent a long time with the oncologist deciding whether or not to or not. Because he sort of said something like, well, you've got a 95% chance of the cancer not reoccurring. Um but if you did do chemo, or maybe it was 90%, but if you do chemo, it'll go up to 95 So I kind of went, well, actually, I think I'll give the chemo a miss. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. I'll do without it. And then eventually, after this very long conversation, he said, um, usually at this point, Kirsty, patients say, 
to me what would you what what would what would you say if I was your wife right yes absolutely that's always a good one to ask okay (laughs) what would you tell me to do if I was your wife and he goes I said do chemo really yeah um he said look if it comes back in five years time you're going to find yourself going oh god I should have done the chemo Mm -hmm. so I did and how long was that the chemo um I did it for 12 weeks now what I had was a drug called Taxol. Um, it was interesting actually because I was listening to your uh, your interviews about Michael Taxol, Taxol and tamoxifen. And tamoxifen. Mm. So Taxol, uh, uh, Michael Baum actually said that it isn't often used for women with breast cancer, but it clearly uh, is. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I had it. Um, one of the advantages of, of of Taxol is that you can have it in small weekly doses, mm-hmm. um, and I did wish to carry on working, mm. um, so I would go for my. Um, a taxol on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Did it make you feel dreadful? Uh, do you know what? It really wasn't too bad. It mm-hmm. really wasn't. Did you lose your hair? Um, I used an ice cap. I've heard about those. So your head was frozen. So this is so they put <laughs> basically this kind of ghastly kind of contra- you look like a sort of astronaut over your head, <laughs> and they pump iced water, and it freezes oh. your head. Yes, it is so painful. I can't really. Tell you. Yeah, you know uh, that 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 feeling that you get when you eat ice cream sometimes yes and, it's and your cold. teeth hurt yeah yes. that's what it felt like all over my head <laughs> brain freeze that kind of ice cream brain freeze um and how uh, long is it for how long do they keep the hat on for oh they keep the hat on for several hours what? because yes <laughs> yeah it's pretty uncomfortable Yowch. but the brain freeze is only really for the first um initial bit so i wonder if it rejuvenates your brain because there's this whole technique of cryotherapy now oh where if you freeze your body and you drop your core body temperature down it's like the high stamina athletes do it to improve performance maybe you've got a super brain M- maybe yeah. i don't know i haven't really noticed <laughs> But as a result, I did lose... I mean, I've got thick hair, so I lost quite a lot of hair, um, but not all of it. Um, and um, I had a sort of little bald patch on top. Well, it wasn't really bald, but it was very thin. And so I just got myself um, invested in a really nice little hair piece, which I just nice. clipped on the top. Yeah. And um, I don't think yeah, anyone it, ever noticed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so while you were doing all of that, presumably your HRT is still in the bin. Yeah. Complete no-no. When, after you finished your chemo, did you then sort of think, right, I'm beginning to get my life back to normal. You're still on the, what's the one beginning with L? Letrozole. Letrozole. So you have zero estrogen in your body. How did you feel on that? I felt awful because, of course, within, you know, a few weeks, I started to... uh, have the original menopausal symptoms I'd had before HRT come back, but this time they were turbocharged. So whereas I would get the occasional hot flush, maybe a few a day, I was getting one or two an hour um, dripping with sweat. I mean, I've had to change my entire wardrobe over the last three years. You know, I can't wear any synthetic materials. Um, I always have to wear layers of clothes. I would have to change my shirt regularly at the office because it was drenched in sweat Um, how did you manage to work through that it's really hard jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And what would what about your sleep? Sleep absolutely terrible. My poor husband actually said he bought me one of those Dyson fans that goes yes. next to the next to the bed. I can recommend them actually, sort of blowing out cold air. But the thing is, I is I was getting these massive temperature swings. You know, it's like having a fever. So one moment you're really really hot, you know, and then you turn on the fan, and then you know because of all the sweat, you're shivering and freezing. And can they give you anything for that? Because sometimes they'll prescribe antidepressants or something that that will help with the vasomotor so, symptoms. Um, I was prescribed um, uh, an antidepressant called venlaxifen, which I do know lots of women have had big success with for those symptoms. I unfortunately was one of, I think, a relatively small minority of women who had very bad side effects of venlaxifen. Um, I felt nauseous. Mm. Um, I... Um, and it is important to persist for about two or three weeks to mm-hmm. see whether it works. But after two or three weeks, um, I I think, do you know what? I felt so ill and bombed out on it. I can't even remember whether it certainly wasn't <laughs> worth it. I, I I think I I remember thinking I'd rather have hot flushes than this and be numb in your mind. Yeah. Mm. Um, in the meantime, the letrozole, which literally hoovers up every ounce of estrogen in your body it lit- it dries you up um was giving me the most terrible joint stiffness yeah so i was crawling out of bed in the morning like a little old lady with sort of my hands like claws oh, and my Kirsty. feet hurting my knees hurting everything. you must have thought that the end of the world had come really you know I just, just think, thought, am i going yeah. to live like this for the rest of my life yes did you try other things? Did you try acupuncture or herbs or supplements? What, what yep. did you turn to? Acupuncture does help a bit, definitely. There's no doubt that if you um, that you know coffee and alcohol are triggers. Mm. Um, but again, I'm not sure I wanted. 
but I, you know, I did. Did it, you give all that up? Did I did give to... up coffee and alcohol for oh, a bit, and the, and the um, and the and the symptoms didn't go away. They were a bit better, but actually, I just thought, God, my life's a bit miserable now. Yeah, and it's not like I drink a whole lot of coffee. Um, I mean, I've you know, I I I, I sort of restrict myself to to one maximum two mm. coffees in the morning. That's it. Um, alcohol, alcohol. I do like my wine, but I have I have alcohol free days now every week, and I think that's quite important. Mm. Um, so I did try quite a lot of things, um, and um, none of them, to be honest have really worked what about things like the supplements could you take things like soya the isoflavone supplements or do they say there's no point because the reason that you take those is because it mimics a phytoestrogen so so don't even bother because exactly. it's going to get don't wiped even, out anyway yeah, so that's right and the point is that as long as i was on um uh letrozole mm. because it blocks all estrogen there was no point in taking right. anything like that anyway because so, it would have just zapped it so now moving on three years on HRT. Yeah. How did that happen? So my epiphany moment came when my breast surgeon, who I'd helped with the campaign to get um, um, interoperative radiotherapy treatment recognised, um, uh, uh, licensed on the NHS, invited me to a conference. Um, and this was in, in, autumn, in the autumn of last year, 2018. Um, and um, because I'm in present radio programs people quite often ask me to chair events at conferences mm. and this was a conference of breast cancer experts at the royal society with lots of very eminent specialists um including um dr avram blooming um who's an american oncologist who has written a book called estrogen matters which i know you I often know mention. i mention it i think he's fab i've never met him but uh, i've had email correspondences wonderful with him. man and so um i'm you know introducing him at this conference and i sit there spellbound as this man st says he has breast cancer patients um on hrt including um his own daughter and his wife and his wife yes yes amazing um absolutely amazing so um so you must have been thinking what on earth yes why so, is it and how did that news go down to the whole body of medics in the room listening to this were there was there a gasp and massive intaking of breath there wasn't actually no i mean i yeah i not that i was aware of mm. Um, I mean, there so, wasn't a slow hand clap or anything. He no, was, you know, he was well received and seemed to be well received. Yeah, yeah. Um, clearly, somebody that um, you know that they they respected. Well, I mean, he's a professor. He's a he. I think did one of or he did the first lumpectomy operations on breast cancer over in California. He's very eminent. Yeah, yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. He's top top um, top dog. <laughs> and he was quite interesting actually because he made. Um, a, a, I think one of the questions was. Um, I mean, as you know, many many medical trials are funded by pharmaceutical companies. Um, and he is, uh, and, and you know, American doctors are particularly vulnerable in this situation. Mm. Um, and um, he is completely independent and has not. Yeah. Um, uh, no, he doesn't have any affiliations at no all. Affiliations I was talking to, just an aside to um, 
Professor Byrne when he was here with me and he is has become very friendly with Professor Blooming because they share the same views, particularly on HRT um, post-breast cancer. And he went to stay with him in California and he said he's amazing. He had, you know, if, if there was any doubt that this man's stature and, and how just how you know big a megastar he is over there, he has the most phenomenal house apparently on the top of a cliff and just outside Beverly Hills. I mean, you know, he's a serious dude and clearly very well respected and great that he doesn't, you know, he's not in the pay of the drug company. Yeah. He doesn't need to be because his work is... Just sort of world. world so I then I, I sent you know I yeah, immediately so did you I, I, him? I, I, well I buttonholed him afterwards. <laughs> said, yes, and you know poor thing and he said look I I, I can't give you a, I, you know I need to see yes your records and yeah. so on um, but um, I can't see any reason why you shouldn't but this is the critical thing that you need so, to know yes I would have to stop letrozole because letrozole, there's no point in taking HRT with letrozole because letrozole blocks all hormones. So he said, what you need to do is you need to switch to tamoxifen, which is a similar drug. We don't know how tamoxifen works, yeah. but it doesn't block estrogen in your body. See, that's very interesting because people always say to me, or women always say to me, taking it, oh, well, I'm, I'm on tamoxifen to block the estrogen. But this is something I've learned, is that tamoxifen is not anti-estrogen. No, it's not. What we think or suspect is that um, tamoxifen works by blocking the receptors on the cancer cells so that the estrogen can't get to the cancer yeah. cells, acting as a sort of little barrier. But I, 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 you know, that, so that's in itself, it's not anti-estrogen. It's just blocking the way that the cancer thrives Interacts on, with on, it. on estrogen. So... Now again, I, I, I should I should add that um, uh, this is all about one's capacity or propensity to take risks. Mm -hmm. I am fully aware um, that the evidence for somebody like me um, is is we don't we don't one hundred percent know to what 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 my risk is as a former breast cancer patient taking hormones. It, you know, um, nobody can tell me. Yeah. Um, one way or another the evidence is not there to say that i'm increasing my risk neither is it there to tell me that i'm decreasing we just don't know mm. actually um but i think to just go back a little bit let's rewind that um what avram blooming's book talks about which is so important and now you've talked about this in your podcast is where did this fear of hrt come from and it came from this very big study in 2002 um, uh, uh, in the United States, um, which he argues was deeply flawed, yeah, um, and wrong. much of the, of the of the media reporting of it was 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 deeply flawed. And not only you know he and other medics, but many of its authors have publicly apologised for it, saying absolutely we got it wrong. We have ruined millions of women's lives. Yeah. So for me, that was that was pretty convincing. And then you know, as I say, when I'm a you know because I'm a journalist, everything's material. I thought, okay. Yes. I'll write about my desire to go back on HRT and I will use this journey to get mm -hmm. some expert opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. So I went back to my oncologist and said, well, yes, um, what, do you I, think? what do you think? And he said, well, I've got a small cohort of women on HRT because their quality of life post breast cancer was so terrible that they that I, uh, you know, on balance. I think they should go back. He said, but you don't seem to be suffering that much. Mm, gosh, if only he knew. And, well, the thing is, I sort of, 
I think that's my fault because... You just gave this impression of coping with it, everything's fine. Yeah, because I'm quite stoical yeah. and I sort of said, and he goes, well, I mean, you know, because we don't know, because the jury's out on this, we're not absolutely sure, you know, if you, you know, to be on the side of caution, he's a cautious man, that's why he wanted me to do chemo. Yeah, yeah he doesn't um, want to get sued. He doesn't want to get sued. Um, he said, you know, if you can stand it, I would put up with it. So I thought, oh, okay. Um... And then I decided to go and see somebody um, who had also been at that conference with Avram Blooming, which was Dr. Louise Newsom, who, um, mm. uh, you know, I think is one of the, this country's leading uh, menopause experts, runs a fantastic clinic in Stratford-upon-Avon. Yeah. And I thought, right, I'm going to go and see her. Did you? Um, uh, because this woman had also given a talk at that conference at the Royal Society, and she mm. was very convincing. Um, and... I relayed that conversation about how much are you suffering and can you bear it? Mm. And um, um, and she's been through menopause herself, which really kind of helps. Yes. And she said, look, Kirstie, if you're having hot flushes at least once an hour, 24 hours a day, yeah. that's suffering in my yeah. book. Where is your quality of life? Where is your Where's, sleep? Yeah. Plus all the other things. You know, you're talking about your joint pains and your yeah. your hands and your you know memory and mood. and Oh, my goodness. So what did she put you on? So so you had to switch to tamoxifen, first of all. So that so, was the first step with the oncologist, yeah, was it? Yeah, so switch to tamoxifen. Was that an easy transition? Yeah, I immediately, my joint pain, look, all women are different. I respond mm. much better to tamoxifen um, than I did to letrozole. So is this a case, regardless of the HRT, should post-operative breast cancer patients be given tamoxifen as first choice rather than I the estrogen blockers? Well, I don't think you can say that because, I mean, letrozole has been incredibly effective in um, uh, in stopping cancer recurrence in postmenopausal women. I mean, this, you know, the, the trials are very good. Yes, but I think letrozole had the edge. But there is now new research that says if you've done two years and I think I did exactly two years mm. I waited till I'd done Gosh, two years on metrosol um at least two years and then switched to tamoxifen I'm probably getting the same benefit mm. um uh, so, so do you think it would be something that you could take straight away I guess that's a discussion with the oncologist is whether you could go straight to tamoxifen yes that would be a discussion with the oncologist but since mm. all women are different I yes. would say it's worth trying, you know, so it was always an agreement with my oncologist that I would try letrosol first mm -hmm. um, and, um, uh, and you know, and, it, and then if the, if the side effects were, were awful, I would move to tamoxifen. Yeah. And I think lots, lots of women swap back and forth. I mean, some women mm -hmm. don't don't do well on tamoxifen. Right. Yeah. It's so individual, isn't it's it? so individual. Um, so for me, that that was what that was what worked. So what did Louise prescribe for you? So what Louise prescribed for me is um, uh, estrogen gel, mm -hmm. um, which um, uh, and I started with just one squirt of the pump yep. a day. Yep. One pump. Um, uh, and uh, progesterone pills. So the utrogestine. Utrogestine. Now yeah. this is to protect the lining of your womb. Yes. Now, I was a little bit worried about taking this, and so was my oncologist about me taking this pill orally. Mm. He actually suggested that I have a merino coil. Yes. Um, I'd had coils before, and I not really it wasn't a very enjoyable experience. And I kind mm. of thought, God, postmenopause, going back to a coil—that's the first thing. And secondly, according to Louise Newsom, the progesterone that they use in the merino 
coil is, is a kind of old style. It's a progesterone gen rather than a yeah. progesterone, yeah. So what I do so, now yes. is I take my progesterone capsule mm -hmm. um, and every other night I shove it up my you fanny. shove it up, excellent. And So you, you take one alternate nights? Alternate orally. nights. No, no, oh, no, I no, don't no. take so, it. So you don't, don't take, take it orally, orally at, all. at all. So every other night, you just pop, pop one in. Pop it into like a little capsule, and you yeah. just you know pop it in. It doesn't pop out again. No, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that way, I'm administering the progesterone um, locally. locally, and that How works for me. I should also yeah. say, actually, that before I, um, I went back onto full HRT, my oncologist had given me localized. Um, uh, HRT um, estrogen gel estrogen, you have it? Um, uh, that you apply vaginally yes yeah, so you can get vaginal with, cream and pessaries to, to, and to, to deal with you? vaginal dryness yeah. and there is yeah. literally no problem with that in breast no. cancer at all because it's such a small thing because I'd started to get um, well it completely ruined my sex life number yeah. one yeah. number two I'd started to get um, uh, urinary tract infections yeah. which no. lots of women do absolutely um, yeah uh, I mean, Louise Newsom told me she says she has women in her surgery who can who can't even wear trousers because no. they have such bad vaginal dryness. And can't, That's can't sit company. down. Don't go for smear tests because yeah. it tears the skin. Have recurrent UTIs, constant cystitis because yeah. the whole pH of the vagina changes. So absolutely. So I think, you know, that's uh, hopefully there will be yeah. women listening, you know, who may be going through breast cancer or breast cancer treatment who, you know, are not going to go down the whole route of oral HRT, but can benefit from those localised estrogen gels and pessaries and creams. And actually, just as a little point, coming back to your point about Mirena, although it does contain a progestogen, the dose is so microscopic because it's localised, it's in your uterus, so it's delivering it right there. It's the equivalent of one capsule a year. Wow. So, yes. you know, so that really puts it into perspective. Yes. So rather than taking one every day and it becoming systemic, yeah. you, you're just having... You yeah, that, I'm sure, amount. look, so I mean, if I didn't... There are lots of options, aren't if there? If I wasn't basically. so... Aware, I, I've just had some unfortunate experiences with coils and I yeah. couldn't, you know, I, I had to have a local anaesthetic the last time I had one sure, in there. No. So I just, but you know, if you can put one in and that's so fine, I thought, then So this was my okay compromise, was to, was to bust a yeah. <laughs> every other day. Yeah. So what's your regime now? So how long have you been doing that for? Well, this it's a relatively new experiment for me. This and it's, I'd say it's about... I've only been back on HRT for about five or six weeks. I feel much, really? much better. Oh, yeah. my goodness. No, I had no idea. It was yeah, yeah. so... Yeah, it's really so new. Yeah. And you yeah. already feel... I mean, you look uh, 100%, I have to say, so... I feel so much better. Isn't I feel so much... Are you it, sleeping? I'm sleeping so much better. I'm... Um, it's just, oh, the sweating. I mean, I can't tell you. No, I mean, I'm still... I, I just just now, I felt myself have a little flush, but mm. it was only a little flush. I couldn't tell at all. No, no, you know, whereas... I, I mean, I had, I had this awful moment last year um, where I chair quite a lot of conferences. I was chairing the... Europol conference of chief policemen in the in the Hague, right? That is, that is quite so, hardcore, isn't it? And in this, yeah, very hardcore, um, especially as a Brit at this point. But anyway, yes. Um, <laughs> and they, like a lot of conference rooms, they had they had these huge screens projecting all the speakers oh. around the world. And at one point, I glanced up and caught myself on screen introducing some chief police officer with a huge bead of sweat trickling oh, down my no. nose. It, is just... it was just so humiliating. The amount of times I haven't been able to—I—I I, I yes. I couldn't take off my jacket because 
I looked and I could see that there were wet patches all over my silk shirt from the sweat. All these things that we don't think about. So does it mean a whole new wardrobe now? Well, yes, I, I can, can now wear synthetic materials, <laughs> saving me a fortune on silk shirts. <laughs> and are you still on the, the protocol of one pump? No, what happened was it wasn't doing much good than just one pump. It helped a bit. So this is the oestrogen, I, obviously. The oestrogen pump. Yeah. So I've now, I'm on one pump. So I went back to Louise Newsom and she said, OK, why don't you up the dose to um, two pumps at night, one in the morning? Mm. So, so that's two at night, so perhaps getting yeah. a better night's sleep. Getting a better night's sleep, yeah. And how has that been? That has That's made a huge difference, really? yeah. That's why I like the gel, personally, because you can adapt it. I mean, I know people have patches and they cut them in half or they stick two on or whatever to try and change the dosage, but it's just so... I mean, sometimes I have up to four, actually, when, when yeah. I feel that I'm, well, I think I'm you not can, sleeping I can, well. I think you can go up to five. Is, uh, Ooh, three to five. Uh, okay. yeah. Is it three to five? I thought I, it was one to four. Okay. Yeah. I might be wrong. No, I might I'm, be wrong. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with four, and sometimes I go down to a little bit less. When I had the patches... They would leave, you know, they'd leave those dark, sticky marks, you know, mm. when you've had a plaster <laughs> all over my thighs. <laughs> so I much prefer the gel for that. <laughs> and then what about the third in the Stapoli Trinity, which is the testosterone? Have you discussed that with Well, her? I have discussed the testosterone and I am tempted to try testosterone as well um, because my energy levels are still relatively low. Um, mm. And... Um, there's quite a lot of evidence that it improves your your cognitive ability as yeah. well. Yeah, um, memory particularly. And, and I think also just in the workplace, it just makes you feel more confident. Yeah, yeah a little bit sharper. <laughs> a little bit sharper. A bit clarity of mind, mm. which is which is helpful. So, so I'm it, thinking about that. No, so I, so, mm -hmm. so But it is I, very early days, as you say. It's very early days. Yeah. So I see this as a three-month experiment. That's mm -hmm. what I, I kind of agreed with right. my... Um, with my surgeon and um, with Louise Newsom and my oncologist, um, uh, that we're all kind of you know taking part in this experiment together. I'll, I'll I will go for I'll do for another mammogram and a scan, and uh, the, I'll have a blood test which will take tumor markers mm -hmm. um, uh, by the end of June, and by that time I will have done over three months. Do you get recalled for an annual mammogram now? Anyway, is that something that will happen to you because of your medical uh, history? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So you, again, you, it sort of depends on what sort of cancer you've had and I so see. on. But um, uh, certainly for the first three years, they monitor you pretty carefully. Mm. I think as of next year, if I'm still clear, then it'll probably go uh, to I'll, I'll start having less appointments. Yeah. But at the moment, I'm checked every six months. Mm. So just to be clear, you were on HRT. You had an estrogen receptive, highly aggressive, invasive breast cancer. You've now gone back onto oestrogen, HRT. Mm. I know it does it, sound bonkers. It doesn't to me because I've, I've spent yeah. a lot of time researching it. But I think to a lot of women and medics listening, there, there will be those intakes of breath around the country as they hear this. Yes, and uh, there will. But I, I, I think uh, that I have taken a rational, well-informed decision um, having spoken to you know, some of the world's leading mm. experts mm. on this subject. I think it's also really important to put risk factors in place because so often, um, and there is a well-known lady in the lady in, in, in the media who, you know, often talks about her breast cancer experience and blames it fair, fairly and squarely on HRT because it happened shortly after, or a few years after she was taking HRT. But she is hugely overweight. 
And, you know, the, the risk factor of, of women being overweight is 10 times anything else. And you mentioned having a glass or two of wine. That's also a high risk factor. I mean, I do that too. I, I really enjoy a glass of wine and I will have a glass or two of wine most evenings. And yes, of course, I'm aware that that's increasing my risk of breast cancer. But, you know, I'm aware mm -hmm. and I'm healthy. I exercise. I'm, you know, not especially overweight could probably do with a couple of pounds but you know I, I do all those other things eat lots of colorful veg and I think exercise is a real key actually that really drives down your risk factor. The statistics about um, breast cancer uh, recurrence and exercise are overwhelming I mean you the, the, I think there was even a study some years ago about you know if you did sort of 40 minutes of exercise every day um, you had the same uh, uh, risk of recurrence as, 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 as somebody who was taking tamoxifen for that same period really? of time. It's, it's really, I need to look into it's that. It's really that overwhelming. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, so, so I think you're absolutely right. I, I talked to um, a wonderful menopause expert in Wales um, called Charlotte Fleming. Um, she's a gynaecologist um, uh, and also a breast cancer sufferer herself. Um, and she said the way she explains um, risk um, to her patients, um, and this is this is women who haven't had breast cancer. Of course, there are so few people like me. We we don't know where this is going. But um, but what she does is she gets she gets out a chart with a thousand dots on it, right? And so that's a thousand women, and then she'll say, you know, in a, in in a population of a thousand, um, twenty two of these women will get breast cancer regardless right so that's 22 red dots you know um and if they're on um hrt um you add something like another five or six dots but that's only the tablet form of hrt that's only the tablet yeah yeah so, so not, not you know the and then if you but if you um and if you add wine Mm -hmm. or alcohol, regular alcohol consumption mm. that puts another sort of five or six dots but what what adds another 22 dots is if your BMI is over 30 in other yeah. words if you're if you're uh, uh, seriously overweight yeah. that is by far the most dangerous yeah. Yeah. risk factor um, and so you're absolutely right and I think you know one of the things I consciously have done since I've started um uh, taking HRT again is to I think the first two weeks I I didn't have a drink at all um, mm. and I've been trying to take much more exercise yes um, I, I am now drinking the occasional glass of wine yes. again but what I'm 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 trying to weigh up all those relative risk mm. factors you know sort of so try and lose some weight yeah. try and reduce your alcohol consumption but increase exercise your exercise one is, is astonishing and mm. that is you know that is as statistically significant as many drug protocols mm. so you know you can almost be prescribed exercise you know 40 minutes of exercise a day to reverse your risk yes is, is really significant and that's yeah. a message that i have not heard that has not yeah been no exercise um in fact i was sent by my oncologist on a really um excellent uh, course um uh called you know moving on from cancer where we had all these experts talking to us about diet and the exercise message was mm. if that's it, 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 that that is more than anything else you can do for yourself. Mm. It, it, the exercise is key, and in fact, I've really changed um, my routine as a result of, of 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 that. Because what I'll do now is I'll very often um, uh, get off the tube, or stop earlier, yeah. and walk. I'll try and build walks into my day. Yeah. 
and um, I listen to podcasts. Great. This, as I walk yeah. along. Yeah. Um, Buy a backpack. Buy, I've got a backpack. Great. Yeah. Make it heavier. Just yes. put stuff in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, because because walking's enough. It doesn't have to be. No. You know, even if 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 you if you just you know walking the dog for. 40 minutes a day that will I could that could end up yeah. saving your life but of course we can only walk or let alone do exercise if we feel well yeah. and if you are dripping with sweat and haven't slept and you're crippled with arthritic type bone pain and aches that's going to make that even less likely so yeah. it's a real perfect storm there isn't it exactly. we need to get away from that consider like you taking the HRT get mm. fitter healthier and get depressed other... I mean so many women get quite rightly very i mean i very depressed um uh if they've got menopausal symptoms and especially if they've had cancer yes you can get really down and as you say i mean it's you know it's very easy just to sort of crawl under the duvet and say right that's it yeah i mean the amount of women who give up work retire early and so on because of yeah. these things um is huge yeah. and it it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be the case we've we've got to start looking at this whole business holistically mm. um i mean i could feel on the letrozol that my body was shriveling up um without any estrogen and i was thinking gosh you know i'm I, I, i'm i'm, I'm going to get osteoporosis or yes, you know i'm, sure. I, I'm I, I literally Absolutely. felt i was yeah. kind of almost aging in a sort of dorian gray horrendous way suddenly so really really fast yes gosh well you are certainly not now it's really <laughs> lovely to have you here Thank you so much. Thank it's you. So inspirational and so very, very interesting. That is all we have time for today. But for more HRT guidance, including the risks, the benefits, and how to talk to your GP, be sure to download my e-guide, The Truth About HRT, from LizelleWellbeing.com. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss the next part of this in-depth menopause special, which will be winging your way winging its way rather to your podcasting app tomorrow until then go well bye-bye imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.